Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I employ a technique called breath of body wash. You have to squeeze it aggressively and you have to make it breathe and go like. We really need to do this. It's really early. It's really early for this. It's never too early for science. It's science time. Science time with Taylor and Jen. This is the science of DIY projects. And if you don't know what that means, it's do it yourself. Home projects. Because I feel like the rise of like HGTV and all of the like home renovation shows, it's like, I can do so many things with my house. Not to mention a pandemic that made us stay inside our homes and look around and go, oh, that needs to be fixed and that needs to be fixed and oh, that needs to be fixed too. And then you look at how much it costs to get a contractor or whatever and it's like, I'm capable. Mm. I have YouTube. (laughs) I can learn how to do stuff. So what we're saying is a lot of you are doing stuff around your houses. And there was a really interesting question that Taylor came across yesterday. So he came to the door of my office and he posed me this question. And I have to say, I'm actually really impressed with you because of it. How long does it take the average American to work on a DIY project before giving up <laughs> and calling a professional to fix their mess? Okay, now, if it were me, it's inside of 45 minutes. All right, I'm just kind of like, if I can't figure this out in an hour, then I don't have time for this and I'm calling somebody. So the fact that this answer was way longer than an hour. I was really impressed. The average American goes five hours. Five hours! Five hours of futility. And then finally we say, okay, we, we got to bring in a professional fix this one up for I'm us. I'm pretty sure that must be men. And yep. it's just you're stubborn. No, I, I can do it. I can just, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm going to try it one more time. Five hours I don't need the instructions. <laughs> Those are for weak people. It's probably five hours before they pick up the instructions and go, oh, yeah, no. I can't do this. (laughs) Ah, rugged individualism. Ah, yes. You see something that needs to be done and you think to yourself, I could do this, even if it's a home improvement project. But sometimes those home improvement projects go in the opposite direction you were hoping. My husband was at a conference for a weekend and I decided to use a birthday gift card for Kohl's to go get a new shower curtain for the bathroom. Okay. And then decided how nice the shower curtain would look with different colored walls in the bathroom and maybe a few new light fixtures and some other things. But one thing led to another and the new flooring that I picked out, I realized most of the way through that the toilet would have to be removed oh, to boy. put the flooring down. Oh, my goodness. And it ended up resulting in us having to call a plumber because of a plumbing issue identified when the toilet was removed. And my shower curtain ended up costing me several hundred dollars and a new bass guitar for my husband so that he would never speak of it again. <laughs> So we have our friend Carol here who is a nurse Mm -hmm. and her husband and son, they wanted to improve the home by giving her a shower in the basement that she could take a shower in when she came home from working. How did that go, Carol? Our basement is unfinished, so the floor isn't exactly level (laughs) and we had to do our best to 
make the floor levels for the shower. And then, of course, it had to be up so far from the drain for it to drain properly. Right. So they had cinder blocks stacked together and uh, pallets underneath the shower just to give it the proper amount of height. Okay. Oh, boy. (laughs) When I got home from work and I was going to use it for the very first time, as I was in the shower and doing my thing, all of a sudden it started to tip backwards. <laughs> oh, no! <And> I, <laughs> I almost slipped over in the shower. <laughs> the shower in the basement doesn't really get used that often no. <laughs> anymore. I wouldn't think so. You've got to stand in exactly the right spot. <laughs> Otherwise, if you shift your weight just a little bit too far, it's going to tip on you. It's usually how it starts, right? You just walk into a room and you think, huh, that needs to be done, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And then you think to yourself, yeah, yeah, I think I could do that. How hard can it be? Right. DIY home improvement projects. They never go wrong, do they? A couple years ago, my husband had said that he wanted to renovate the den, and I asked him to wait until I was done taking classes to get my bachelor's in nursing. So the day that I was done, I came home and started cleaning out the den to get it ready to be painted and stuff like that. Well, then my brother got up, and he was like, well, we can't just paint this because it's plaster and lap. It's not going to take to paint very well. So... By the time my husband got home at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, my brother and I had the whole one wall unplastered. Like, all the plaster was down to the studs, and it was all in the middle of the floor. And you said, I told you, as soon as I was done, we could start. It didn't stop there. Then we decided, well, let's take out the wall between the kitchen and the den and make it an open concept. Well, then my husband was like, well, listen, just go ahead and open up the wall between the den and the living room. And I'm like, Dude, it's almost Christmas. And he's like, nope, we want it done. It's going to be done now. So for two years, we were living in a renovation. Because <laughs> two years. <laughs> so it was done by Christmas two years later. Yes. <laughs> so it happened again last night. My cat was on the prowl last night. Do you ever do you ever find weird things? Oh, the remnants yeah. of the weird things that this your pets do overnight. Used to be up high and now it's on the floor. Oh, well, yeah, that was another thing that he did last night. He knocked a cake container off of the counter. But no, my cat hunts at mm-hmm. night and he's not outside. So he has to hunt within the house. He hunts so household he, items. He finds, he loves to find little things to bring up the stairs, mm-hmm. drop next to my bed because it's apparently a gift to me. Well, he has this thing where he brings something upstairs from my son's bathroom, Oh, shreds it and leaves it next to my bed. Nice. Toilet paper. Shredded toilet paper. <laughs> and I woke up again this morning to a roll of shredded toilet paper. That's a valuable commodity these days. Now, I would just like to point out that if my son actually put the toilet paper on the roll, we wouldn't have this issue. But that's, that's another neither com- here nor there. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. So what I've been doing is every morning I've been waking up to a shredded roll of toilet paper <laughs> that my big fat orange mouthy tabby cat has shredded in the night. But I just pick it up, I go back downstairs to my son's bathroom, and I put it back on the roll. You put it on the roll? Either I put it on the roll or I put it on the counter so that 
It's back in use. He has shredded toilet paper to use. Have you seen how expensive toilet paper is? I mean, I mean, and you I've never seen, know when we're going to have a shortage. I've seen how expensive it is, but has Ben noticed that his toilet paper is shredded? He has never said anything. Do we know that he's using the toilet paper? <laughs> he has never said anything to me, so I don't know. You know it's probably not the ideal situation, but grocery prices are inching up. Yeah. You got to find ways to stretch out those products, make them last as long as possible. I learned from the queen of frugal, and I know if I told my mother about the shredded toilet paper, she would have she would be proud of me <laughs> that I am putting it right back in Ben's bathroom because toilet paper is expensive. I employ a technique called breath of body wash. <laughs> And that's what happens when breath of body wash. When you're in the shower and you turn upside down the body wash and like nothing comes out. Oh, and oh. so so what you have to do is instead of doing like a regular gentle squeeze like you do when it's full. Yeah, you have to squeeze it aggressively. Oh, and, and you have to make it breathe and go like. <gasps> And eventually you get some, like, flecks of body wash. And you can make just enough. And if you rub it hard enough, you get a little bit of a lather. And then you you can make it last at least, like, three or four more showers that way. Okay. Is that frugality or just poor planning? I mean, (laughs) that's another day that I'm not buying body wash. I mean... You can call it frugal if mm-hmm. you want to, Taylor. I will just call it poor planning. I call it the breath of body wash. <laughs> when you're in the shower and the body wash is starting to run out and you just start like squeezing it really fast and it goes like <gasps> and the body wash is kind of breathing on you, but flecks of body wash make it out. Taylor, you're doing it all wrong. I oh, am. N- oh, I what, love it. What should I do instead? The shower soap. Honey, you're just doing it all wrong. You put water in it. Oh. Can you use it a lot longer than two or three days. Yes. You put the water from the shower in it, shake it up. How, how long That's have right. you been able to make it last when you put put the water in there to dilute it? Two weeks. Two ah! weeks. Okay. Come on, Nikki. At, at what point yes. are you just wishing that it's body wash and it's not just water? It's body wish. As long as it lathers, it's good. That's, that's a good rule of thumb. I like it. I think we're all looking for ways to save a little bit of money right Mm -hmm. now because grocery prices are going up, gas prices are up. So you got to find ways to cut corners. Taylor's just, you know, doing it funny with the whole body wash wish thing. I I just like keep on squeezing it really hard until you get a fleck (laughs) of body wash. And that's that's all you need. What do you do, Patrick? I get two bottles of liquid hand soap out of one. And I've been doing it for quite some time. I will dump half out, fill it with hot water, and then when it's done, I put the other half back in. I get two bottles of hand soap out of one. That's impressive. Simply hot water. <laughs> you, so you you basically start by, by preparing to have it run out. I absolutely take the bottle right when it's new, dump half of it out, fill it with water, and then I got the other half ready whenever that runs out. And it works fine and dandy. That's amazing, Patrick. That sounds good. Thank you so much. For those of you old enough to remember, this is kind of like helpful hints from Heloise. <laughs> it's the idea that, you know, prices are inching on up there. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking for ways to just be a little bit frugal in our homes. We are learning there are a lot of frugal experts listening to Taylor and Jen today. For hand soap, we save the foam pump bottles. 
And if you add any scent of your Dawn dish detergent, yeah, about a half an inch deep at the bottom of the bottle, uh-huh. fill it the rest of the way with hot water, and you have your full bottle of foaming soap for about five or six cents a bottle. <laughs> and you can just keep redoing it and redoing it and redoing it. And I've been doing it for years. The same foam bottle? Well, I replace them about once a year because oh, yeah. I have to wash them out. And then everybody gets so excited when there's new soap because it's hot. Oh. And everyone's like, ooh, ooh, warm soap. I want to go wash my hands. <laughs> oh, that sounds delightful. I want to live in your house. I know. They're so spoiled. <laughs> you meet a young married couple. Mm. And you think about all the advice that you have to give them. <laughs> I mean, there are like the basic things that you, they say, you know, okay, we want our marriage to go well. What should we do? Like, okay, make sure you're communicating well. Uh-huh. Keep on dating. Like, don't let the busyness of life get away from spending quality time with each other. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah, great stuff. But we were very impressed. Lindsay and I have some friends who are in their first, I can't remember if it's they're going on one year or two years of marriage. Oh, they're newbies. They've already learned one expert marriage tip. There's an expert marriage tip. I think this is a truly next level expert marriage tip that fixes a lot of things once you incorporate this. Okay. They've figured out which one of them should drive at all times. <laughs> Why? Because, because there are two kinds of people in the world. There are kinds of people who are very specific about how they want to drive and how to get to where things need to go and what speed you need to go to get there. And then there are people that just kind of do whatever they feel like and God makes them marry each other. <laughs> You hope. And once you've figured out that things get a whole lot less stressful when you put one person in the driver's seat at all times and another person in the passenger's seat, huh? it solves a lot of conflict and things go way smoother. Do you think that this is, is something that just you and Lindsay and this other couple have figured out? Or do you think this is more widespread? I, I think it's pretty widespread. Like maybe they haven't thought as deeply about it, but when you get in the car with your spouse... There is one person who's always a driver, and there's one person who's always riding shotgun. What if you don't have a spouse, but you have teenagers? Then you are always driving. (laughs) Unless it's like that brief time when they need to get ready for their driver's test, and then they're driving and you're white-knuckling. This is actually key, considering, you know, Americans and our love affairs with our vehicles. We just love being in our vehicles. But when you're in a relationship, you have to figure out who drives and when. I do all the driving. You do. You do, D. Why do you do all the driving? Because it's my car. <laughs> I mean, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Are you married? Yes, I am. Okay. And so why why doesn't he have a car? Do you not let him have one? <laughs> he does have his own car. I just do all the driving in my car because it's more comfortable. And I have a little bit of road rage, and it's worse if I'm the passenger. <laughs> There's the reason. Yeah, maybe. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Dee, when's the yeah. last time you were in a vehicle with your husband driving? I don't remember. <laughs> How long have you guys been married? <laughs> 32 years. Yeah. There we go. Is there a relationship talk for this, too? And I think, to it, this I think it would be helpful in, like, premarital counseling, setting up expectations and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think this would be a helpful conversation to have. Yeah. Who does the driving and why? So my husband and I, over 30 years of driving together, 
I drive in town always. And when we were leaving town, then he always drove. And it didn't matter which vehicle it was. And we automatically just got in the vehicle knowing who was driving without talking about it. You never had to talk this over. You just knew in town is you, leaving town is well, him. We don't talk about it anymore, but there oh. was a time when we were younger mm-hmm. when we were going to take a road trip. And I said, well, why don't I drive? And he goes, okay, you can drive. And so we get 20 minutes down the road and I go, I am so tired. This is so boring. He goes, okay, let's switch. <laughs> and that was the end of that. Really? Yes. He was bored to death with nothing to do. And I was like, I hate driving distances. <laughs> It's perfect. You're perfectly matched. Exactly. We might be. (laughs) There are days you come home from work. Maybe you've got a couple extra hours and you grab that book on the nightstand. You lie down on the couch and you start reading and you know, in the back of your mind, I could sleep and be fine. Mm -hmm. I can take a nap here. Yeah. Just, just a little one. And then there are days like I had on Monday of this week. Okay. I was exhausted. Oh. Like, you know, could not keep my eyes open. I'm trying to put together a shopping list for the grocery store and falling asleep mid-word. Whoa. Like, yeah, it was bad. And so I knew in my head, I got to take a nap and I got to take a serious nap. No, sometimes you do have to take a serious nap, but... What do you do to make sure that gets done? Because to me, like getting the best sleep is going into the bedroom and sleeping on the bed. But I feel like that's almost like the nuclear option. I'm going to get too much sleep and wake up at like midnight and not be able to fall back asleep. (laughs) Okay, so you don't go to your bed. But for a serious nap, serious nap, I go to the couch in the living room. Uh huh. You ever read the comic strip uh, Blondie? Yeah, with Dagwood and Blondie. Okay. And Dagwood takes his Sunday naps lying on the couch with his face up against the back of the couch. So he's like facing away. Yeah, he kind of turns his back on everything that's going on in the house to face the back of the couch. Do you know what, Jen? That is an amazing way to take a nap. Is that how you take your serious nap? Yeah. No no blanket, just sideways on the couch, facing the back of the, the cushions because it kind of blocks out the sunlight. You're kind of semi-cocooned. There's a little pocket there for a cat or a dog to hop up behind your knees. I take the best naps in the world like that. I have a shirt that says how much I love to nap. I used to tell people that napping was my favorite hobby. You know, I just think naps are fantastic, but... Conditions have to be kind of perfect Mm -hmm. when you want to take a serious nap. So when it's time for that serious nap, what needs to happen? I am a serious napper. I love naps, but it doesn't happen as often as I want it to. So it's almost like a treasure. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So what has to happen for you to get super serious about a nap? Oh, I have to be in bed. I have to crawl into my bed. You're very so it can't be on a couch, can't be on a chair. No, if if it happens on a couch, it's more of just like a I might or might not fall asleep. It's just kind of I'm lounging. But if I really want a nap, I have to be like crawl into bed, set an alarm clock, and it's going to be at least an hour nap. It's a treat. It doesn't happen, you know, during the week. It's usually a weekend Mm. napper, but when it happens, it feels it feels good. (laughs) Sometimes I lay down on the couch and I think to myself, okay, if I if I happen to catch a few snoozes, that's good. Mm -hmm. But there are times when you're like, no, today I have to take a nap. I am seeking it out. I am going to make this one count. So I go to a specific place on the couch because I don't nap well in my bed. I, I have to nap on the couch. I go to the couch and I move one pillow aside and I bring 
one pillow in. There's one pillow. There's a specific pillow. There's a napping pillow. I have a napping. I okay. do. I honestly have okay. a napping pillow. I respect okay? that. I have a napping pillow. I have a napping place on the couch. And then I have a napping blanket. I oh. absolutely must have a blanket. If, Your nap comes with equipment. If my if my kids see me napping without a blanket, they know it's not serious. If they see that I have curled into the fetal position on the couch with my napping blanket and my napping pillow, they know, oh, okay, mom's out. And they, they don't interrupt your nap? <laughs> oh, well, no, I'm not going to say that. But they, <laughs> they know that I'm trying to take a serious nap. People who take naps live longer. Just saying. I think I saw an article about that. That's probably true. (laughs) I'm sure that I can find science somewhere that says that. I mean, I'd love to believe it because I I love to take naps. And when you have the opportunity to take a serious nap, (laughs) I mean, you want to fully invest. Yeah, you do. And so you want to make sure that you, you meet all the conditions to take your serious nap. So please tell us, what do you require for your serious nap? You have to go into like the full cocoon position. Oh. Head under the pillow, blanket up and over around you. Like if the kids can see you, <laughs> then you're not doing it right. <laughs> so you're going full coverage nap. Full cocoon. You, yeah. you put your head under the pillow. Oh, yeah. And then the blanket goes up and over the pillow and tucked in and around. There's nobody getting in or out of this napping situation. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, Macy, about how long do these super serious naps last? If the kids aren't home, you could probably get a good couple of hours. What? If the kids are home... Anywhere from like 15 to 45 minutes. Got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yep. Wow. And when you wake up from those two hour naps, what is it like? You feel like a brand new woman. <laughs> she emerges from the cocoon, a butterfly. Into a beautiful butterfly, <laughs> eating like you're the very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those moments where you think to yourself, yeah, probably should have thrown that away? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I walk into the kitchen and there was a <laughs> disaster area in my kitchen. So I know Ben had been cooking. Uh, and <laughs> I'm like, Ben! Yeah. Dude, I don't want to clean up after you. Come on up and clean up. So he came up and I said, What, what did you make, by the way? He's like, Well, I attempted French toast. Oh. And I said, Wow, that's ambitious. That's a, yeah. Good for you. Okay. Didn't think anything of it until a little while later. I thought to myself, Wait a minute. We didn't have any eggs. So I wonder how he made French toast without eggs. So I opened up the refrigerator and there is a carton of eggs. And at first I thought to myself, oh, my word, my son went to the store and bought himself a dozen eggs so that he could make French toast. You really think that happened? No. No. No, I didn't. Because then the more I looked at that carton of eggs, the more I realized, oh, no. That's the carton of eggs that have been downstairs in the extra refrigerator for, oh, two, maybe three months. Oh, boy. That I had every time I opened it up, I thought to myself, I have got to throw these away. Mm-hmm. I'd have got to throw, I've got to throw these away. I've got to throw these away. So out of curiosity, I cracked one to uh-huh. see what he would have been working with when he made that French toast. Have you ever seen an egg that's like the consistency? Of toothpaste? Oh, uh, no! <laughs> and he cracked an egg and was like, this is fine. I, was, I didn't say anything. Later on, he 
came upstairs and I was like, hey, buddy, just so you know, that egg that you ate, <laughs> that was really bad. I mean, like, really bad. And he went, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, to have a stomach that age. I know. You you run anything through there. Would have been down for a week. Oh man. You should have thrown it away and then you didn't and <laughs> then it wasn't an issue anymore because somebody ate it. <laughs> Your son ate eggs the consistency of toothpaste. They were really bad. They were they were yeah, not yeah. good. I should have thrown them away. I kept telling myself you got to throw them away, but they were in the downstairs fridge and that would have required a trip downstairs. I didn't know he'd go get them. When you need a knife to spread the egg on your toast, <laughs> you got problems. But Ev has some experience with things that should have been thrown away long ago. My mom used to live with me, so I have to check the dates on foods out of the freezer because a lot of them are <laughs> uh, more than uh, past or due. Uh-huh. So. More than past. Well, see, though, you bring up an interesting point. Does it matter if they're past their due if they've been frozen? Well, if they're brown around the edges from freezer props, <laughs> yeah. There's that. <laughs> no, as long as they've been freezer packed, yeah, they should still be good. But Yeah, I figure if I open up my ice cream container and it's got crystals inside, I probably shouldn't eat it. <laughs> it just depends on how well, desperate I, I am. I've carved off some crystals in my time. <laughs> if it tastes funny, then I, I usually don't eat more than a spoonful. <laughs> <laughs> You know that feeling where it was such a good meal, oh. and then you had too much of a good meal, uh-huh. and I i mean, like, I was feeling it last night. <laughs> Got home from my father-in-law's house, had a wonderful spaghetti dinner, and I was feeling the bloat, and so I was like, I know... We've got some like Gasex somewhere. I think I think that's going to do the trick. Mm-hmm. And so I go into our medicine cabinet and I'm like rifling through all the bottles and and all of the boxes. And you pull out some boxes and they're empty. It's amazing how much stuff you keep in that medicine cabinet. I don't know why we don't throw some of this stuff away, but finally I found a box of Gasex tablets. And when I shook it, there was something inside. Yay! Success! And so I pulled out and it's the blister packets of the little gel tabs. And I, I pop one open and I realized that the gel pad was sticking to the packaging. Oh. And I, I So it's been through some temperature changes. I kind of <laughs> grabbed onto the thing and I pulled it and it unstuck and in my fingers like it's those like liquid gel tablets. Uh-huh. It was kind of squishy. Oh. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't as solid as sometimes those are. At what point during this did you look at the expiration date? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it doesn't expire for another like 3 or 4 months. So I was like, I'm probably good to go. So I took two. (laughs) Hey, Mike, you got a story about something that should have been thrown away? So a buddy of mine had a place, a weekend place at Lake of the Ozark in Missouri. He would be away for two or three or four weeks and leave the milk in the refrigerator. Oh, no. And I'm not kidding you. He was about the first thing he would do. He would go in there. And that milk was chunky. Mm-hmm. He'd shake it up and drink it. No! No! Yeah! What? And I still, that's been 25 years ago, and I still to this day, I get kind of sick to my stomach. Oh, my telling. goodness. Why did but he I do that? I have no idea. The Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.